Luke 2. Brother Hartzler, would you testify? I figure you want to. We're all, I already did for you, but we're going to pretend like we haven't heard it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Harson. Yeah, you guys wouldn't pray there. Uh, no more jokes about me playing golf, about me not fishing and hunting, or any man card stuff, because you all just lost right there. I got it. I prayed in public. All right, Luke chapter 2. It's good to see all you folks out there in the lobby. There's a lot of you out there. Hi, guys. There's room on the front row. But as typical Baptists, we'd rather sit in a whole different room than come up on the front row and tell Miss Wiggins was raised Presbyterian. <laughs> I know. Luke chapter 2, let's read from verse 8. Next week we'll look at verses 1 through 7. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And though the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And my preaching's already working. Getting some repentance here. Good morning. Verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for your blessing upon this time as we consider your word. Help us to grow by your word this morning. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I want to talk to you today about Christmas peace or peace on earth that these angels pronounce here. They say, peace on earth, goodwill to men. But surely we can all agree today that we do not live in a world of peace. More and more we live in a world declaring peace when there is no peace. So I want us to ask of the text that we read this morning, why this proclamation? Why this proclamation of peace on earth and goodwill to men if there is no peace? Did Jesus not come to bring peace? In fact, Jesus himself can be quoted from Matthew 10.34 in saying, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but what? A sword. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Well, in the day of Jesus' birth, things were not much different than they are for us today. 
They also lived in a world that was crying peace when there actually was no peace. Jesus was born during the time of the great Roman peace. Any of you historians know the term for that? I guess it's a Latin term. Yeah, the Pax Romana. They were proud of this. They paraded this. They thought this was a wonderful thing in their day. But in reality, if we read the gospel account here, according to the Jews, there was no peace. In fact, they were ripe for an uprising. Many were so excited that the king had come because they said he's the one who's going to kick these Romans out of our land. Well, we know from our time and from their time as well that just because you have the absence of war does not mean that you have peace. Parents, you know that in your homes. You're bigger than they are. You're smarter than they are. You have more resources than they are. But that doesn't mean that you have peace with your children all the time. It just means that maybe they're too afraid of the belt to rebel against it, which is a good thing. But in reality, where is the peace? Warren Wiersbe writes here, and I'm quoting Warren Wiersbe quoting someone else. I didn't know exactly how to say that in a speech like this, but I'll read you the quote. He says, the Stoic philosopher Epictetus said, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for outward peace. And surely this is very true. So we asked this morning, why did the angel say peace on earth? J. Vernon McGee takes a bit of liberty here, but I like how he puts things in this regard. Talking about Luke 2, he says, Jesus didn't come so much to bring peace on earth, goodwill to men. He came to bring peace on earth to men of goodwill. I like that. The case for that is made in Romans 5 by the Apostle Paul. Just verse 1 tells you as he writes, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the peace that the angels pronounced as they said, Glory to God in the highest, in the utmost, in the absolute glory to God. Why? Because the Savior has been born that would bring us this kind of peace. That we being justified by faith can now have peace with the Almighty through Jesus Christ. There's peace on earth because of what we now celebrate as Christmas, the birth of Christ. We sleep well at night, not because of how good our circumstances are, not because of the government or the economy or any other temporal thing. We're able to have rest because we have this peace, biblical peace. We've been justified by faith through Jesus Christ. And now we have peace with God that surpasses all of our human understanding. This peace on earth began with the angels. It continued with some shepherds. And it is available to you and I today. The Jewish word for peace is shalom. And if you study out the roots and the usage of that, it means much more than truce in the battles of life. The Jews would share that word for peace to say well-being to you or health to you or prosperity to you, security, soundness, completeness, 
all of these things were kind of wrapped up in that salutation or that greeting of peace. It has more to do with character than with circumstances. Well, that's very helpful for us as we look around in our world today and wonder, where is this Christmas peace? The message we find from these angels is that life has more to do than just circumstances. It's, it's difficult at times. But even in the most difficult circumstances, we can have peace. Life was difficult during this time. As we read in our Bible about the birth of Christ, this was not an easy time for people on earth. They didn't have iPhones. There was no Wi-Fi. I mean, life has been tough around here this morning because we didn't know the Wi-Fi password. Not because there wasn't Wi-Fi. No, the, the things were hard here. They were occupied. Taxes were high. Unemployment was high. Morals were slipping. There was a military state in control. They had Roman law, which was supposed to bring peace. They had Greek philosophy, which was supposed to bring the highest of understandings. They even had Jewish religion, which was to be the religion of the God that created all of this. But none of these things were meeting the needs of men's hearts in this day until God does something. And what does God do? He sends His Son. What a blessing that is. Let's consider that there in the text, beginning in verse 9. And see the peace proclaimed by the angels. Verse 9, we find that God's glory is so strong around this first angel that comes on the scene that it causes fear among shepherds. And we're going to get to shepherds here in just a minute, but I just need you to remember that shepherds were tough dudes, like gods who didn't mind praying in public. All right, come on, you can laugh at that one, right? That was pretty good. These were tough guys. They had good beards. <laughs> they had military tattoos. All right, never mind. But these, these guys are afraid. Look at verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. I mean, this was just messing them up. It was tearing them up. They were, they were shaking in their boots. Their stomachs were turning. They were physically sick of how afraid they were. Well, that's the glory of God. And it's strong. Just this one angel. Think of the little children, Christmas play, you know, we bring them, we, we make all the girls angels, and they're supposed to be boys, but what else are you going to do? You don't make the girls shepherds, right? But you got all these pretty little, <laughs> you got, you, that hasn't happened yet, that's what I'm trying to say. And there's this one angel who comes on the scene, this messenger, this one who is going to communicate for the Almighty. And just in coming on the scene and saying nothing, the glory is so strong that shepherds are, you know, they're thinking, this is an alien. I don't know what they called aliens back then. But we would have said, this is a UFO. Look, this bright light that came out of the sky. And now there's words coming from it. E.T., right? I mean, they're holding up one finger to the sky. These guys are afraid. Well, that's God's glory. The church, I want to pause right there and just scorn us just a little bit. Because the reason God has left the church here is to be a direct expression of His glory on the earth. Well, the church has come a long way from verse 9 to 2021. The world does no longer live in fear of the glory of God that is expressed through the church. There's none. 
The worship is not so strong when we gather together that someone who's not used to it feels uncomfortable. In fact, things that are even biblical almost make us uncomfortable at times. Some of you cringed this morning and kind of got tied in the neck when we multiple times praised God for healing a lady in New Jersey. Next thing we know, chance is going to be finding money in the walls. <laughs> yeah, we got some open walls. It would be great. What has happened to us? I'm going to get to this in a moment, but we've lost our wonder is what's happened to us. We've lost sight of the miraculousness of the God that we serve. We don't worship Him because we're not in all ourselves. And the world doesn't fear the glory of God as it does here because the church isn't worshiping Him. We don't live holy, so there's no separation between us and the world in which we live, so there's no fear there. When the glory of God becomes present on the earth, especially in a magnified sense, it obviously here causes some sort of fear. And there's the absence of fear in the world in which we live today that we see here in verse number 9. Well, the, the angel, the fear is so strong in verse 9 that in verse 10 the angel has to speak comfort and he has to give good news. And the angel said unto them, fear not. Now that is the message of the church. Let's be careful that we don't re-enter whitewashed Christianity from the 1950s who tried to manufacture this glory by saying, we're not going to, what's the, there's a great little line here, we're not going to smoke or dip or chew or run with girls who do. This was kind of the idea in that day and age. If we'll just look the part, get our, our suits and our ties on, and look down our noses at the poor little sinners who don't come out to church like we do on Sundays, or who let their kids do certain things we don't allow our kids to do and all of this, well then we'll be holy and they will be not. How'd that turn out for the church in America in the 60s? And then the 70s? And, then the <laughs> and you can just keep going downhill from this. This is not what we're talking about here. When the church expresses God's glory on the earth, the next step would be to do what the angel said, did here, and say, but you don't have to be afraid. If we were worshiping in a way that would bring fear to a sinner here this morning, and that sinner says, I've got to get out of here, I'm not comfortable, the next solution is to say, actually, what you could do is join in with us, because Jesus made a way. Fear not. You don't have to be afraid of this. You can have some. So this angel speaks comfort. This angel speaks good news. And says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. It shall be to all people. Verse 11 is what that tiding is. A Savior is born. Church, be careful. What does and does not bring you great joy in this life. We often will step right over something heavily doctrinal that is rich for something that we consider rich that is awfully temporal. The angel doesn't say, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people after tonight the Romans are leaving. That's what they wanted. That's what they had their, their <laughs> just imagine these shepherds out in the field with their iPhones. They're scrolling. What are they reading about? What do you read about? Uh, Omicron variant? 
Biden, Harris, mandates, economy, inflation. They're reading through all they're reading through all of this, and what do they want the angel to say? Hey, good news. You're all going to be healthy and wealthy and wise. That's not what they said at all. They said, don't be afraid. I've got great news. They didn't say the news is you're going to be rich. They didn't say the news is you're going to be free. They didn't say the news is the Romans are going to go. No, they didn't say, these are shepherds. They didn't say the good news is you're going to sell all your sheep this month. No, they said, today a Savior is born. Praise the Lord, church. The rest doesn't matter, does it? Jesus is born. Jesus is alive. Jesus has come to redeem us from this sinful state in which we muck and mire in. Praise Him. To confirm that message, they tell Him, verse 12, You can go see for yourselves. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And again, I apply that to the church. If the message to the world in which we live today is, Here's this glory and it's fearful to you, but don't be afraid because a Savior is born. What would the go see for yourselves be? It would be, hey, go over there to the White Bluff Bib Center. Here's this group of people that though their building has been demolished and their homes have been ransacked, they still decide to get up this morning and get dressed and come together and smile and put their own independent worries aside and worship their God. And let's not, let's not fool ourselves. Worship the very God who sent the tornadoes. You can deny that one to your blue in the face, but prove to me that anybody else causes tornadoes than Almighty God. And I can't find that in the scriptures. He causes the whirlwinds, He causes the earthquakes. It's all in His providence. We don't have to like that, but it's truth. Could you say that today? Could they say, hey, go over there and see? You can go see for yourselves. Don't be afraid. Go look at this group of people. Confirm it. Well, at that point, that's when the multitude of the angels come in. Verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. So the purpose of this plan of salvation that is being initiated here at this time, on this night, the purpose is the glory of of God. The purpose of all of this from Genesis to Revelation is the glory of God. Now God is not one-sided and the whole Bible is not simply about the glory of God, but it is primarily about the glory of God. God has a purpose, God has a plan, God has a people. God is a multifaceted being. Is that the right word? Faceted, not a faucet. Maybe he has multifacets too. That'd be nice. My kids think they need double faucets in their bathroom upstairs. There's four boys in one faucet. And they're like, Dad, it was Parker or Tom telling me the other day, they were like, sometimes when Jack is brushing his teeth and he goes to spit, I might have my head under there trying to wet my hair. And I'm like, well, the solution is not another sink. The solution is don't put your head under there to wet your hair. That's, there's a shower right there behind you. Not a multifaceted God, multifaceted. That's better. I, I can feel pressure from... Are we live streaming, Jimmy? Yeah. I've, uh, Church Street is just a few streets over. My wife is really burning out holes through me right now. 
The purpose is the glory of God. God's glory had dwelt in the tabernacle. God's glory had dwelt in the temple. But God's glory had departed because of the nation's sin. Now God's glory is returning to the earth in the person of his son. Boy, that's, isn't that wonderful to think about? I mean, there's just this baby. I mean, baby's just, is Samuel awake? Is he up and out? No, nah, oh, he, he couldn't take any more. He was done, right? Are there any other babies in here that's available? <laughs> yes. I wish I had the picture. Uh, Wednesday night, Brother Scotty did the Simeon with the fox's new baby, who I can't get his name to come to my head right now. Elijah. Elijah. I'm sorry. He, Brother Scotty out there in the lobby held, held Elijah up in the, in the sky and prayed a prayer of dedication over him. I got a picture. It made, made a good picture. but Well, there's nothing like a baby, right? Just this, this, this brilliance that comes along with this little creature. I mean, it could be the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life, but what will people still say? Oh, oh. <laughs> it just, it's a baby. Well, this is, this is a wonderful picture of what's happening in the world right here. God's glory is coming back down to dwell among his people, and it is through this baby. There's this star that is attracting people's attention. These angels come on the scene. There's this young man and young lady who just are lost. You remember how you were your first baby? Especially if you were young? Man. But man, this, this is just great. John 1, John says it this way, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So that lowly, of man, lowly manger that night became a holy of holies. Because Jesus was there. We sing the song, What Child Is This? And that's a great question that we could ask of this text here this morning, which is well answered. Because these angels give four titles that all come together in one person. I'm preaching Preston's sermon here now. But some of you weren't here when Preston preached this, and it was good. I think you only did three, but I think I'm going to give four here. Back it up to the beginning of the chapter there. He was the son of David. So to a Jew, this was David's royal son, born in David's royal city. That was a big deal. But then these angels pronounce him as Savior, one who rescues people from death and destruction. They call him Christ or Lord. He is, Jesus is Lord, the, or, or I'm sorry, Christ, the Messiah, God's promised one. And then Lord, which would be the, the sovereign ruler. So Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus is the Savior. This is the glory of God that is coming down into the manger on that night. So the angels proclaimed then, in verse number 14, glory to God in the highest. doesn't get much higher than this, does it? This is the highest. This is God with us, Emmanuel, the Son, born on earth. And on earth then, because of this glory of God in the highest, peace and goodwill to men. J.C. Ryle says here, now is come the highest degree of the glory to God by the appearing of His Son, Jesus Christ, in the world. He, by His life and death on the cross, will glorify God's attributes, justice, holiness, mercy, and wisdom, as they were never glorified before. Amen. So the angels and then the shepherds. We begin with the shepherds in verse 8. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field. But we're going to pick up in verse 15 there 
and talk more about the shepherds. But as we just think about these shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, I want to make the point that probably in regards to what we're saying here, these shepherds did not really know peace. I mean, they knew the peace of a starry night, right? I mean, they were outside with their sheep, and surely they knew that peace. But in life, shepherds did not have a peaceful existence. They kept sheep mainly for temple ceremony. I mean, there was a lot of other good uses for sheep. But in this day and age, and what we're reading about here, there was this sheep industry because so many had to be used in the temple ceremony to shed blood as a, a, a token of atonement. It's unique to think about there. These guys um, were, were up against a time when their, their business was about to suffer big time, wasn't it? I mean, here comes the Lamb of God who will once and for all take away the sins of the world. But these shepherds who keep these sheep mainly for temple ceremony were not themselves allowed to permit or, or permitted to partake. They were considered unclean. They were unfit to take place in the very ceremony that they kept the sheep for, for this ceremony. If they wanted to, they had to kind of go off duty for a month to be considered clean and able to offer their own sacrifices. People in this day and age thought of shepherds as unworthy, untrustworthy, dirty, low, which I think is odd because we think of Jesus as our great shepherd. We don't think of him in that way. And then it makes, I think of David when I think of a shepherd. I don't think of David as untrustworthy or dirty or low. But here are these guys out in this field and they would spend night and day with their flock. Protecting their investment is what they are doing. If you, if you have anything, you try to protect what it is that you have. Some of you haven't had power all this week and we've said, do you want to come stay with us? Do you want to come stay with us? And you said, nah, I got my stuff here. I'm going to stay around. I don't want looters to be able to get it. You're trying to protect your investment. Shepherds had little peace by day because the flock was awake and active. And then at night, I imagine they sort of slept with one eye open, looking out for predators who would come and take the sheep. But when it comes time for Jesus to be born, we read that angels were sent to shepherds. And I just say all that to make this point. Here are these guys who are typically last in life. They, they raise the very sheep that they use for the ceremonies, but they can't even do it unless they themselves have been cleansed for a month. They're untrustworthy, they're dirty, they're low. But who does God send communication to first? Isn't that great? Some of you here this morning, you've lived that and experienced that. You've thought yourself, like Paul said, the chiefest of sinners. And you were so impressed and humbled when God quickened you. When the Holy Spirit came and saved you, you thought, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't deserve this or I'm too low for this. Some of you here this morning, that is your very struggle. The gospel is being preached to you. The Holy Spirit's pricking you. But you're saying to yourself, I'm, I'm not like all these other church people. I'm not worth it. I'm not worthy of it. Or maybe you're saying just the opposite. Maybe you're saying, these are all, these, all these other people are a bunch of hypocrites. I don't want to become like that. Well, whatever you're thinking this morning, Jesus came to the lowly. They were usually last, but they were first this night. They were first to hear, 
They were first to see. They were first to tell. Let's read that in verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. That's how we are still when a baby is born. You like to be the first to hear when somebody's expecting. You like the first, to be the first to see the newborn babe. You like to be the first to tell someone what else that you saw. And, and now that we have this Facebook, <laughs> that's a big thing, isn't it? Now, it, 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 it wasn't early on for me in ministry a thing, but now more and more it is from uh, new families is that they're like, I'm sharing this with you, but please don't share it on Facebook. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's a big thing, isn't it? But we like to be first. Well, these, these shepherds, they got to be first. Well, let me end just talking to you about the wonder of all of this. Verse 18. And when they heard it, they wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying God and praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. These shepherds were told to go and see. And as they leave, they decide to go and tell. And everyone who hears of this wonderful thing through these shepherds themselves begin to wonder. Some probably wondered, why is this shepherd talking to me? Imagine these guys were social bugs. You sit around with sheep all the time. You know, they probably said, bah. But they, they probably weren't conversationalists. Maybe they were. I don't know. I'm speculating. So some probably just said, why are these shepherds talking to me? Some wondered inside of themselves, well, I saw that star, and I knew something was going on, and there's a group of guys that are awfully excited. And then that would cause wonder in and of itself. These guys who are usually pretty calm, they only get excited if there's something getting one of their lambs. They're awfully excited tonight. So people are wondering. Mary's pondering. It says she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I think we should try to think like Mary. The thing has come to pass which was told you. The angel has come and said, this is what's going to happen, Mary. And now it has come to pass. What is your mental state like? What is your mindset like in that moment? You're, you're sitting there and you're in a stable and all of a sudden up show these shepherds that you've never met before. And they bow and worship your newborn baby. They worship him like he is king. It would be as if the emperor of the empire had shown up that night. These guys humble themselves in that way and worship him. What, what are you pondering in your mind if you're married? And then these shepherds, so filled, they returned giving glory to God. Everyone they spoke with was left in wonder. Mary is there with Jesus pondering. And I imagine these shepherds once things settled down. Can you imagine that night you get back to your sheep? You find that tree you were propped up on, you kind of set yourself up there, and you begin to think, what in the world just happened? Don't you love times like that? When you just have this great day, or just this supernatural thing happens, or something crazy goes on in your life, and you look around and you think, man, did, did what just happened just happen? Was that real? The wonder of it. Church, I want to encourage you to not lose your wonder. We, we've gotten so doggone logical. 
None of this that happened was very logical, was it, by human standards? I mean, if, if, the, if, the, if the God of the uniform is gonna, universe is going to come in baby form, maybe have him come in the modern era where there's hospitals. Why come then? I mean, Galatians tells us that when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. So this was God's plan. He had this thing timed out. The stars aligned literally, right, for, for the birth of this child. But the modern church all of a sudden wants to take what is supernatural, wants to take what is highly godly and glorifying to him because we can't wrap our heads around it in human sense sometimes. And we want to try to make it all just so intellectual and logical so that we don't feel like we're these wild, crazy-eyed people who worship this invisible ghost. Stephen and I were setting up the chairs over here this week, and I don't even remember what we were talking about, but I remember the tagline to one of the jokes we were telling to each other was, yeah, and all of this just to get some people to come worship a ghost. I know you don't like to talk like that. We're sharing the building with the Church of God. They're over in the senior room there. And I was joking with their pastor out in the lobby before church. I said, well, we'll try to keep our snakes from getting loose here. And he said, now, we don't go that far. And I said, yeah, we don't either. I joked with Chris and Preston. They, uh, they got on the news this week to talk about the destruction at the church. And I texted them ahead of time. I said, guys, now, come on. Do right, right? You're going to be on TV. Talk, talk pretty. And Chris had, I've, I have, it's not been much of a week to being able to laugh and smile, but I've had the most laughs out of Chris saying, he told the news lady, well, we still have some snakes missing. <laughs> That's fabulous. You couldn't have worded that any perfect, Chris. <laughs> we're, we're awfully cautious to not want to be like that. Could I encourage you this morning to to be like that? To be enthralled in the wonder of Christmas? To be those weird Baptist Christians that drank too much coffee this morning, that you're saying Merry Christmas way too loud at the McDonald's checkout line? To just be so happy this time of the year that people are like, ah, oh, that's why I stay in my cave this time of year. What's wrong with these people? We were at the White Bluff Christmas Parade last night and I have learned, and I haven't taught my children this, but I have learned if you say Merry Christmas good and loud, you get more candy thrown from the fire trucks when they come by. Well, Parker figured that out. Did you realize Parker figured that out? I'd never heard Parker so vocal. <laughs> loud. Merry Christmas! You know, he, he wasn't jolly about it. He was wanting candy about it. You know, I think he's sick this morning. So <laughs> That's how it works, isn't it? What, 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 are, what are your cautions for? Isn't it what the Word says? Are we experiencing anything that's not according to the Bible? Are we doing things that God has not written and told us? This is exactly how you should be living your lives? Didn't He say if there's anyone sick in the church, call the elders and anoint them with oil and pray for their healing and they will be healed? And we had to do that indirectly, but it worked. We've seen that twice lately. That work with Aunt Redonna. Is your foot still healed? Yes, sir. Great. There's been financial needs lately that have just been met. And these are all temporal things, but they're, 
They're temporal things that show us the loving God who is active in our lives and working, just as He was working in these people's lives. What's keeping you from worshiping? What's keeping you from smiling? What's keeping you from lifting up an amen? Why is it that we are skeptical? Why is it that we're so cautious of anybody in the world? And today's age should not be cautious. It's Christians, especially Baptists, who've got the best doctrine. That was pointed across the hall. Not really. Similar things still happen today when God's peace comes to earth. A person is told, come and meet Jesus. And in the presence of God, all you can do is bow and worship. As they go on their way, there is wonder. Those around wonder, what just happened to them? Those there where they met Jesus ponder. And it brings back memories and emotions for them of their own story, their own happening. And as they go, they can do nothing but bring glory to Almighty God and tell everybody what just happened in their life. And in this life, we do find in that regard, peace on earth, goodwill to men. One of my favorite Christmas songs says, Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. And it's only my favorite by Vince Gill. Just got to throw that out there. Kudos to Nashville, right? But the peace of God will flood your world when you meet Jesus. Like the angels told the shepherds then, I say to you today, Christ is born. Come and meet him. Or if you have met him, Come and worship Him. Let's stand and pray. Father, we're so glad to gather with the church today for a Christmas service. Lord, we don't know if we got the dating right, if this was the actual time. But Father, we've chosen to celebrate at this time every year when Jesus was born. Oh, Father, help us to truly celebrate that and to truly worship you in regards to that. Forgive us of our skepticism. Forgive us of our anxieties. Forgive us of our unwillingness to smile and be cheerful and joyful and to celebrate and to embrace this peace that we have that many do not have. Oh, Father, we are robbing you of your glory when we are this way. So help us to live lives that glorify you. I pray for those this morning who are unsaved. I ask you to save them today, to give them faith unto salvation, help them to humble themselves, drop their pride, admit they're sinners, and believe on Christ as their Savior. We pray all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Let's bow and pray and respond as Miss Wiggins plays for us.